0: Hello and welcome to the Wiley Society podcast. I'm Anna Ayler. This month, we're going to listen to a thought-provoking talk given at the 2018 Wiley Society Executive Seminar in London by Sally Rumsey, who is the Head of Scholarly Communications and Research Data Management for the Bodleian Libraries at Oxford University. With the growth of open access and the rise of scholarly collaboration networks, Increasing use of preprint servers, it's getting incredibly difficult for researchers to know how, when, and where they can share their work. And that's why listening to what librarians have to say is incredibly important. Librarians not only make decisions about what research content to buy for their collections, they also support the researchers at their institutions to disseminate their own research. According to Sally and many other librarians, That includes taking advantage of new models of open publication and dissemination so that open access benefits not just the advancement of science, but also the professional advancement of researchers and the financial sustainability of the universities and other institutions that support them. Most of us could probably agree that making research more available to more people is a good thing, but in the current publishing environment, that's proving more complicated to do than anyone could have imagined. And according to Sally, we all have to look to researchers and what they need if we don't want to be left behind. But let's start at the beginning. Why is access such a hot-button issue right now? The long-standing dissemination model is changing.
1: And there are many new forms of dissemination emerging and being taken up. Some people I've spoken to believe that the writing is on the wall for traditional uh, article publication. We see clear signs of change in scholarly dissemination tools being used by researchers. Authors are using academic um, networks like ResearchGate and academia.edu, they're using the illegal Sci Hub, and there's an increasing use of preprint servers. Other service, services popping up are things like discovery and access services like Open Access Button and Unpaywall. Plus, there are very many new emerging platforms for uh, peer review, commenting, and publishing. The rise of preprint service has been particularly notable of date, late, and authors other than high energy physicists are beginning to use them. Authors want to disseminate their work and so it's very easy to accept this invitation to upload your full-text file. But many authors are uploading the publisher's version. However, with recent um, events like the takedown notices issued to ResearchGate from publishers, followed by the explanatory letters to authors, authors are beginning to realise that they can't do what they want with their own work. Now here, publishers are exerting their legal rights, and authors aren't always following the rules. However, the authors don't necessarily
0: see it in the same way. Sally is right that it's more and more difficult for authors to figure out how, where, and when they can legally share their research. And publishers are working to make sharing easier for authors, with resources like the How Can I Share It? website, based on the STM principles for article sharing. If you're curious about what those are, check out it, all one word, dot com. However, Sally argues that while well-intentioned, most tools for authors are just too complicated for people to be able to figure out how to comply. And she shared some examples from Oxford. There are some acronyms in here that you might not be familiar with, but you'll get the gist. How
1: Can I Share It is based on these STM principles Authors are invited to read the instructions based on the principles, for example, in emails such as this one. Now, these charts from a recent UUK report illustrates unnecessary complexity where publishers impose different embargo periods for different web-based services when making papers freely available. Personal website, institutional repositories and subject repositories there are often different embargoes imposed for each different type of service. So if we look at it through a researcher's eyes, the work is only supposed to be used on such and such a service, from such and such a date, by only these people. Plus the STM principles state that sharing should be allowed within research collaboration groups namely groups of scholars or researchers invited to participate in specific research collaborations. Now, can you imagine a researcher's reaction to that? A, a snort of incredulity is what I've been met with by some of ours. It is sheer overcomplexity when you want your work to be read by as many people as possible. It's no wonder that researchers don't always obey the instructions even if they take the trouble to find out what the overly complex rules are in the first place. Another example of convoluted and confusing dissemination permissions, three co-authors, two of whom are Oxford research staff and one of whom is a DPhil student at Oxford. Both staff authors are subject to the REF open access (coughs) requirements. The research was funded by EPSRC, so the articles need to comply with the EPSRC open access requirements. And taking the green route, the article is subject to a publisher embargo that is not compliant with EPSRC, nor is it compliant with the REF. However, the student included the article in his doctoral thesis and the publisher permits the version of record to be made available in the thesis, which makes nonsense of the AAM embargo. Even with this, it still means the two academic staff are not compliant with the REF open access policy for that article. So the result is contradictory permissions, ineligible permissions, and unhappy authors.
0: As Sally showed through that example, the system can be incredibly confusing for authors whose main goal is just to share their work with other researchers who might benefit from and build off of it. According to Sally, the publishing world needs to figure out how to make it easier for authors to share their work and we need to do it quickly.
1: The easy access genie is out of the internet bottle. Many researchers want their work openly available. So they're using open access to share their work and access others' research they're getting increasingly used to accessing research findings online through the, i call it, free access at their institutions via their subscriptions, by posting on their own institutional website, legitimately or not, by sending copies to whoever asks, and by posting on academic networks, legitimately or not it would seem to me that they're not interested in sharing that has lots of complex restrictions. Some services, in my opinion, are game changers. It would seem that authors don't read and are not interested in the complexities of copyright transfer agreements. Despite the fact that we don't condone it, people are using the illegal Sci-Hub. So, instead of trying to change the author's habits, I wonder if publishers could change the rules to make it easier for researchers to to distribute their accepted manuscripts. Now, I realize that stating this to a group of small learned societies, often relying on a small number of journals as their major income stream, is a very different proposition than when speaking to international mega-publishers. But the effect of authors' dissemination practices affects everyone. Alternative channels of dissemination for accepted manuscripts might be seen as complementary rather than competing with high-quality publisher's platforms. Green Open Access is complementary to formal publication. It's a great discovery tool and in many cases allows assessment of the work before paying for the version of record and citing it, a sort of try before you buy. We know this is how people use it. As far as I'm aware, researchers continue to cite the formally published version of RECORD. We do not have the funds to pay for universal gold open access at the current prices and overall costs and rates of, of price increase. Compliance with funders open access policy is a useful driver towards open access, but it is ultimately a means to an end. Open access means unrestricted dissemination and access It is not about compliance, it is not a box-ticking exercise. Which brings me to my suggestions list. Publication used to be a discrete relationship between author and publisher. It clearly no longer is. For 21st century dissemination infrastructure to work, metadata and content needs to be able to flow freely and efficiently between systems. Here are some things that libraries are requesting of publishers and funders to help authors avoid time-wasting and inefficiencies by adopting open and interoperable standards to simplify and automate processes. Some of you will be providing these already. The key is to use unique identifiers at all opportunities, such as for item, author, funder, and as they come on stream for institution and grant award. Assign DOIs at acceptance, and some publishers are already doing this. Encourage the use of institutionally verified ORCIDs for all authors and make it easy for authors to use them. Contribute to and adopt standard terminology, so we're all using the same words in the same way. I encourage you to participate in the JISC Publications Router Service and other independent services to help support universities and the dissemination of metadata and content. bit of a plea here, please encourage authors to check that the money is available for the APC before committing to spend. We have a lot of problems with that in our APC processing team. Rapidly rising prices are causing problems and it will be helpful to avoid higher fees for less restrictive open licences. For some there is a dilemma knowing that open access and new publishing models are becoming ubiquitous and need to be embraced whilst maintaining sustainable income streams. There is some nervousness about dumping long-used models of cost recovery because of risking the very sustainability of the society itself, and I've spoken to people here that feel this today. Now, I don't have any quick and guaranteed answers. However, perhaps the suggestions that I've made around outputs, ownership, and access could be considered by your societies and their researchers
0: and editors.
1: I would welcome further discussion.
0: Sally describes a world that is changing and changing rapidly when it comes to researchers' expectations for sharing and accessing research. The bottom line, according to Sally, is that all of us who are part of the research publishing community need to work hard to make it easier for authors to navigate mandates, to share their work legally, and to get access to the resources they need in order to do their own research. Sally listed some great ways we can do that right now with tools that are already available. Using unique identifiers whenever possible and adopting standard terminology are especially important ones because they help link different versions and parts of research together, making it all more discoverable and useful. Some of the challenges that Sally described will need new and better solutions that we haven't discovered yet, and as Sally said, there are no easy answers, but together librarians, societies, researchers, authors, funders, we can make sure that research is accessible to everyone who needs it. In the meantime, I hope Sally's talk is food for thought. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join us next month. Until then, I'm Anna Ehler. Our editorial advisory group includes Alexa Dugan, David Nicholson, Sarah Fibbs, Deb Wyatt, and Nielsen Turner. Our theme music for this episode was provided by Jason Shaw and edited by Dennis Velasco. You can listen to other episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing to the Wiley Society podcast in iTunes. You can also sign up for our mailing list to learn more about what's happening at Wiley and other news and trends in research publishing by going to exchanges.wiley.com societies.